So generosity and contentment are tightly linked, and I believe God wants his people to experience both. Yes, this is the podcast of Trustler Mennonite Church. Here, we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service. We want it to be possible for anyone who missed the sermon to be able to listen later, at least if they want to. And we thank those of you who missed the sermon because you were working with our youngest children during the service time. This particular sermon was from May 22, 2022, and its text was Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. So I was, I was wondering whether I'm the only person who has ever tried to thank somebody for something and been so inept in my wording that I ended up kind of uh, complaining about them instead, or at least it seems like that. Did you ever be somewhere and you are served a meal and you say to the hostess, thank you for making such excellent food this time? And then you realize, wait a minute, that sounded terrible. Um, wasn't what you meant at all. So I don't know if, if anybody else has ever ever done that in some capacity, but I start this way because when I was reading this passage for the first time, well, not for the first time, but for this sermon, trying to read it in a a new light, trying to try to get it into my mind in a different way, I I started to think that Paul might have been doing something a little bit like this. So Philippians, of course, is a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Philippi. Paul had started this church some years before. He uh, knew the people who were there. He had since gone on and started other churches in other places and hadn't been back for a little while, as far as we know. And Paul was now writing this letter to them to give them some updates, but he was also writing to them to thank them for a financial gift that he had given them. So he gives them a lot of wonderful advice and counsel and teaching in the first part of his letter. And then he wraps up by saying, thank you. And at least for me, when I was reading this again, I I, I felt like Paul kind of said, thank you for finally remembering me. And then he says, wait a minute, that, that kind of sounds like I'm assuming you've forgotten about me for a while, but I know that you've been thinking about me. It's just that you didn't have a chance to actually help me when I was in need yet. And then he says, well, that makes it sound like here I've been suffering for a long time, and, and I didn't mean that. So actually, God has been taking care of me. He's been take, meeting my needs. I've been completely content. And then that almost sounds like the gift wasn't absolutely necessary at all. And it, He sort of finally gives up and just says, okay, you did a really good thing. Thank you. At least that's that's how I would call the Jeremy Ernest summary of this passage, which is not divinely inspired at all. And and Paul writes some more that Jerry's going to cover in the rest of our of our series. We're gonna one more week in Philippians. But as I read this, I, that's how I felt Paul was, was sort of starting this. And I, I share this. I don't know if it makes you uncomfortable to, to think about Scripture in exactly that way, but I share this because I actually kind of liked it. In this particular passage, we get some really good teaching from Paul, but it seems to me that Paul started out to just to say, thank you, and then he kind of stumbled around a little bit, and, and it's in that stumbling that God... Get, used him to teach us some really neat things. 
And so that was encouraging for me as I think about talking to people or preaching sermons or teaching or working with my children, that I have a tendency to stumble around and bumble around quite a bit, but our God can work through us even when we are inept. So, so the Spirit was working in Paul to communicate to us what he wants to communicate, even if maybe Paul started out and kept thinking, that didn't sound quite right, and adding another sentence. So let me read the actual passage in the New Living Translation. Paul says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. Well, I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or a little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Now that last verse is, is technically for next week, but I felt like it rounded off the passage for today pretty nicely. So if I've read these verses, well, maybe you can kind of see where I arrived at my thoughts as to how Paul was thinking. But either way, God worked through Paul to communicate some really beautiful things to us. And that's our passage for this morning, Philippians 4, 10 to 13. And always before, when I have read this passage, when I've thought about it, and I think mostly when I have heard sermons or teachings on this passage, I have taken it as a section in our Bible to give us a lesson on contentment. And there's some validity to that. Paul says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or a little. So you can definitely use this as a great uh, starting point for a teaching on contentment. But if we look at the larger context, Paul does not seem to be writing with a goal of teaching about contentment. He is writing with the goal of saying, thank you. In that bigger context, he then says a few things about contentment. So I'm going to talk about contentment a little bit. But I want you to keep in mind that the context is actually generosity. The people had helped him out. And I'm going to try to show that generosity and contentment are tightly connected. So when I was studying Paul's comments on contentment and reading some commentaries about this, and something stood out to me that I want to share with you. Apparently, in Paul's culture, a little bit like our culture, but not exactly. But in Paul's culture, the concept of contentment was tightly linked with the concept of self-sufficiency. So the idea that a person should find within himself the strength, the fortitude to accept and to handle whatever situations that life might bring to him. So if I'm understanding what these guys were writing about, if, if I'm talking about a house, for example... A person should think, well, this is my house. It's the house that I have. I will embrace living in this situation. I will be strong in this situation, and I will not spend my time thinking or wishing or longing for some other house that I don't have. And so maybe I, maybe I can capture for you this idea of contentment that is based on an idea of self-sufficiency. It's not precisely the same way that we use the word contentment, but I think within, the, within our conversations and our culture about contentment, I can think we can see some echoes of Paul's culture and the idea of self-sufficiency as the basis of contentment. So 
in the mindset of the people around Paul, if he was going to be talking about contentment, he would have said something like this. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for my strength is sufficient for every circumstance. Or maybe he would have written, because I am strong enough to face whatever comes before me. But of course, if you can remember, that's not what Paul wrote. He said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So in our culture, we don't have quite the same conversations around contentment, this idea of self-sufficient contentment. Actually, in our culture, I don't know that we talk about contentment very much at all. But when we do talk about contentment, I think we hear, we hear this kind of idea in the back of those conversations, the idea of sort of buck up, tighten your belt, be strong, these kind of phrases of just in your own strength or in your power, handling your situation that is before you. And so Paul's words should still rebuke us. As Christians, we are called to face all sorts of different situations in life, some easier than others and some harder than others. But Paul says we will find the strength to face those through Jesus and not through our own strength. And as I was thinking about it, I think if we're, if we're fully honest, Paul's words here uh, at least will probably make us a little bit uncomfortable because if he's trying to help us understand contentment in every situation, good or bad, we have to acknowledge that there are going to be those kind of difficult situations. So you might lose your job and money might get really tight and you might not know where the next paycheck is going to come from or whether you're going to be able to feed yourself. And Paul says, be content. Or, of course, your business might take off and you make way more money than you ever dreamed possible. And Paul says, be content. Or you might be strong and healthy and well and, and physically life is great for you. And Paul says, be content. Or you might go to the doctor and they say, well, you've got this chronic disease and it's going to kill you in 10 years. And Paul says, be content. And these aren't pleasant thoughts to think about, but I think, I think we can see the validity of what Paul is trying to say. But Paul knows the only way we will ever have this kind of contentment is through the strength that Jesus gives us. Paul does not preach a self-based contentment or a self-sufficient contentment like the culture he was in. He preaches a contentment that comes through Jesus. But Paul didn't actually write this as a lesson on contentment. We can learn about contentment in here, but Paul's goal was to say thank you to the people who had given him a gift. And I got to thinking about something. Jesus works through the church. We, we know that. We call the church his people and his body. And, and so if contentment is something that Jesus gives us, and if Jesus works through the church, I think it's fair to guess that the contentment that we get from Jesus is going to be, in part at least, rooted in the work of God's people around us, rooted in the work of the church. So it's very, it's possible that Jesus will miraculously give you strength and trust when you are in a difficult situation and you are going to suddenly be content because he just divinely implants that in your life. He does that. But often he works through the church when he does things. So the church is likely going to be the way in which you experience contentment. I think our passage illustrates what I'm trying to say, although I'm not sure if I'm capturing it. You see, Jesus gave Paul the strength to be content with an empty stomach. That's part of what Paul just wrote. 
But Jesus also used his people to give Paul gifts so Paul could have enough food to eat. And the purpose of this letter is to say thank you for one of those gifts that Paul received. And, and similarly, uh, Jesus gave strength to Paul so that Paul could be content when he was in prison. But Jesus also used his people to send a visitor to Paul, a guy named Epaphroditus, who would be with him and bring him, content, uh, bring him um, companionship. And so we talked about this a couple weeks ago. If you remember, go back. I think it's chapter 2. So I think you could say that this contentment that Paul had was a gift from Jesus as Paul learned to trust Jesus. But Paul knew he could trust Jesus because followers of Jesus were reaching out to Paul and blessing him and caring for him. And so in some capacity, generosity and contentment are really tightly related to one another. And I'm not, I I tried many different ways to think through this myself, and I I feel like I'm almost there and not quite, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to capture this for you this morning, but I thought I'll I'll try another way. Imagine somebody within our congregation here sitting in this room who has very little. We're going to talk about finances, but it would be, you could use it for other areas, who has very little. That person should be able, with Jesus' help, to live in peace, to be content even with almost nothing. That person should be able to trust in Jesus' care and provision, and that trust will result in that person experiencing peace and contentment even in their situation. And yet simultaneously, we know that that person's needs should be met by others within the congregation who have more. And so this is contentment and generosity working together, and in fact, they have to kind of work together in a almost a cyclical relationship for this to happen. So if that poor person is going to be able to trust in Jesus and have contentment even in poverty, that confidence is going to happen because of the work that Jesus does, often through Jesus' followers. So that generosity of others is one of the ways that they will be able to have trust which will then give them contentment in their situation. But there's another angle of this that I've observed. If that person in need doesn't feel contentment in their situation, then the gifts that they get given will never be received as blessings because all they're going to be able to think about is that they would like to have even more, even more. So we have this cyclical situation in which you have to have a certain experience of contentment in order to receive a gift and feel blessed. But it is the receiving of the gifts, the meeting of your needs, Jesus' faithfulness to you through his people that allows us to have trust and contentment even in our situations. But there's actually generosity and contentment on the other side of the equation as well. For people with more in that situation, the ones who are giving, they're going to need to have contentment in order to be able to give with generosity. I mean... You can give out of this distinct sense of obligation, I better do this or God's going to smite me, or you can give because you're trying to manipulate God. But if we're going to give out of generosity, we have to be content with what we have. Otherwise, we're going to hold on and we're going to try to accumulate more and more and more. So contentment is necessary to give with generosity. Contentment is necessary to be able to receive and to experience blessing. And this generosity then is necessary for us to be able to trust, to have contentment. 
They kind of go around and around. So generosity is born out of contentment, and the blessing is received only when there is contentment. So Paul does not advocate some sort of a self-sufficient contentment in which each person faces life on his own strength. He seems to be experiencing and then writing about the type of communal contentment in which he doesn't feel worry or anxiety about his situation, and yet he simultaneously is receiving gifts from God's people as they visit him and as they give him financial need, give him financial gifts to meet his needs. And so I'm not, I, like I said, I rewrote this a dozen times or more trying to figure out how to express this, and I feel like it's almost just a little bit beyond me. But there are two things that I am pretty much confident about that I can say with near certainty. The first is that Jesus wants us to trust him. He has promised to take care of us, and he wants us to trust that promise. This is true financially. It's true with our workload at our jobs or our workload within our ministries, within the church, wherever it might be. It's true in our emotional needs as well. Jesus has promised to take care of us, and he wants us to trust him. And when we truly trust him, then we can rest peacefully in our situations, even when circumstances are variable, and we will experience contentment, both in plenty and in want. But simultaneously, Jesus wants generosity between his people. Financial, yes, but also time and energy and emotional support for people when there are situations of need or difficulty. And for generosity to happen, people have to give and people have to receive. So I'm not quite sure if I can capture everything on my mind, but those two thoughts I'm pretty sure of. Jesus wants us to trust him, and trust will lead to contentment, and Jesus wants us to be generous, and generosity requires both givers and receivers. It's been my observation that within the community of Christians, of Jesus followers, that receiving is usually much more difficult than giving. But you cannot have generosity without both receiving and giving. So if you are financially hurting, you need to trust that Jesus will take care of you. And through that trust, he will give you contentment. But you also have to let people help you. You have to let them bless you. Otherwise, you have that kind of a self-sufficient contentment that Paul was talking about that was in his culture and is not acceptable within the church. Or if you're burdened by a responsibility in life or in the church, you need to trust that Jesus will give you the strength. But you also have to let people bless you by helping you. Otherwise, you have that self-sufficient contentment that is not what God is talking about. So we need people who are willing to receive So if I can be kind of bold, I'd encourage you to ask for help when you are in a situation in which life is burdensome. Or at least least phrase it as a mild prayer request sometimes, some way that you can share with others the needs that you have. Contentment does not mean that we live in some sort of isolated self-sufficiency. We are to live in a community of contented generosity. So ask for help and then receive it when it is offered to you. Because that is the way that Jesus will take care of you. He works through his people. Now, like I said, it's been my observation that on average, within the community of Christians, receiving is usually harder than giving. But there are almost always some people 
And for many of us, some circumstances or times in our lives when the other is true, when we're very much tempted to want more and more and more, and we're very glad to receive and receive and receive and receive, and those times we're not content, and our focus is on wishing for more and wishing that God would just give us more. And even in those, in those times, even when people are very generous with us, we do not receive that as a blessing because all we see is the things that we don't have yet that we want rather than being grateful and being blessed by the things that God has provided. So if this is you at the moment, either because it's more your personality or if this is you because of a circumstance or situation in life, I'd encourage you to turn to God to recognize the situation Begin to ask God to help him, ask God if he would help you learn to trust him so that you can find contentment through his strength. I think God will take care of you. I think I can make that a pretty, pretty decent promise. God will take care of you, perhaps miraculously, but more likely through his people, and you will be able to experience contentment through generosity of others that leads you to be sure that you can trust God. But you will not experience contentment through the generosity of others. It has to be simultaneous there through God's power. Otherwise, the gifts that are given to you will never seem like gifts, and they'll never be enough. So I started this morning by describing the kind of a situation in which you try to say thank you to somebody and you word it badly, and you end up blowing the whole thing, and partly because that's how I, th- I read the beginning of this, and it felt like a good description of what Paul was saying, but partly because it kind of describes my thoughts this morning. It is really easy to say something, and in the process, not quite communicate what you wanted, and I'm slightly worried that that is the situation for this whole sermon, because it seems to me something that is almost in front of my mind and not quite there. So I'm pretty sure that generosity and contentment are quite connected together and that God wants his people to experience both. And so if somehow my words or my stories or my ideas have not communicated this to you, go back and read this passage and let God speak to you without me muddling it up. Paul is content in any situation. That's what he describes. That contentment seems to mean that he can receive a gift and receive it as a blessing. If Paul had not been content, the gift would not be a blessing to him because the only thing he'd be thinking about is that he is still stuck in prison because he's writing this from prison. He needed contentment to be blessed by this gift that the church had given him. But despite Paul's contentment in his situation and his confidence that Jesus would take care of him, He did need that gift and others like it in order to meet his needs. And the Philippian church needed a different kind of contentment in order for them to give generously, to dig deep and be able to take care of Paul in his time of need. So generosity and contentment are tightly linked. And I believe God wants his people to experience both. You've been listening to the Tressler Mennonite Sermon from May 22, 2022. The passage was from Philippians 4, 10-13. Take care. <laughs>